0: We've been looking at core values at Church on the Hill. I'm going to go quickly through what we've already studied. We've looked at salt and light. Number one, we are to be salt and light. We are to be tasty. We are to be an agent that helps melt the hard hearts. Um, We are to be preservatives. You know what salt does? It preserves. It tastes good. It makes you thirsty. It makes you want more unless you get too much. We don't want to be too salty. We want to be just salty enough. And this weekend, I was with another family and all the kids wanted to eat at McDonald's and you know, I, we don't eat at McDonald's very often. And I had my first double cheeseburger in a year. But my son, amen. I heard an amen over there. But my son ordered, uh, the reason I get a double cheeseburger is because it's on Weight Watchers and it's 10 points. So I know just what I'm getting when I ate it. So I said, I'm getting that. But my son got fries. And there's something about McDonald's fries. As long as they're hot. And if they're popping hot, there's nothing that replaces that taste. Amen. I can reach you through food. (laughs) That's why Jesus, Jesus reached him through food. He went and broke bread with him. If you're hungry, you'll sit and listen to me. Amen. As long as I'll feed you. Well, I'm going to feed you. The Lord's going to feed you this morning. Amen. But I got a couple of those fries and I said, Pete, you better take these because they were his. And you know what? It doesn't cost you anything if you eat somebody else's. (laughs) Right? As long as I eat his, then it's not going to. It's not going to add to my stature as long as I eat this. It's a lie. But uh, man, there's something about those fries. Why? Because they're fried. Something about fried food just tastes good and they're salty. And you can't just eat one. I made the mistake of eating one. Then I had to eat more and eat more and eat more. But that's how we are to be in the world. We are to be desired. We are to be thought about. When somebody is is hurting, they think of me. They think of you. Why? Because we're to be salty. We're to be desired. We are to be light. The moment you show up, light should come in and darkness should flee. Darkness has to leave when light shows up. The question is, does it get dark when you show up or does it get light? It's got to be light, salt and light. We are to be influencers, not the influenced. Amen. Number two, biblical authority. We've been singing all morning the word of God. We are proclaiming. That's why in worship, I want you to engage because your voice needs to shout out these words. Somebody next to you needs breakthrough and it's going to come through you worshiping. It's going to come through your voice, speaking the word of God. Heaven or earth was created by speaking. God moves by us speaking in faith. Amen. Amen. Are you hanging on the next word or are you just the uh, No, we speak. We speak. We speak according to his will and it is done. We agree and it's done. What happens when we all sing a song together and it comes from our heart? We're in agreement. We're in unison, proclaiming the word of God. Well let me tell you, somebody's burden has been lifted. This is a lot better than you're reacting. Amen, Steve. Don't then react. You're a band member. You know how to you know how Oliver Old. We react. Amen. Okay, biblical authority. We stand on the word of God. Last week, we finished core, core value number three, which was um, a heart for the lost. Anybody been fishing this week? I feel like the Lord has, has been speaking to me that have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody that fishes and they know where the hot spots are? That right now is a hot spot to win souls. Right now, there are people that are ready to fall off the vine. Somebody has just got to go pick it. And I want to encourage you, go pick it. Go after it. Go after it like the woman looked for the coin. She didn't stop until she got it. The shepherd going after the sheep did not quit until he found it. Put it up on its shoulder and brought it back. I watched a YouTube video this week. Has anybody ever seen the fainting goats? I don't recommend you going to YouTube, but go to YouTube if you if you have filtering that you can manage what you're watching and watch fainting goats. There's a phenomenon with a certain type of goat that when they get startled, they get stiff legged and fall over. And I mean, they could just wave an umbrella at them. They just, yeah. Yeah, they lock up their knees. They called, uh, I don't remember exactly the phenomenon, but bizarre. You know, God is such a funny, humorous individual. You know, they say you can just pull, pull up to them and honk your horn and they'll just fall over. And I genuinely want to go do that. God created it for a purpose. I just want to see God's creation in action. That was so funny to watch. But going after the lost, I believe they're ready to get startled and just say, okay, okay, it's time. It's the Lord's will and every lost person was created for God to receive God. Every person. So I don't believe you're making a mistake by fishing. All right. Now today, number four, love for people. Love for people. John, let's look at John 13. If you got your Bibles, I encourage you get out your Bibles. John 13. Jesus said we are to love others as he has loved us. Let's look at it. John chapter 13, verse 33. If you got your Bibles, get it out for me. My children, I will be with you for a little while longer. Then you will look for me, but you won't find me. I tell you just as the, as I told the people, you cannot go where I'm going, But I'm where, but I'm giving you a new command. Is it important when the Lord gives a command? Yes. Amen. Thank you. I believe you. It's important when the Lord gives a command. You must love each other just as I have loved you. If you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So what do we see here with what Jesus has said? We've got two observations that we see here from this scripture. Number one, we are to love others Like he loves us. I want you to think of what kind of person you are and the things that you've done and how God loves you. How Jesus loves you and the price that he paid for you. Even knowing that you were going to turn on him, that you were going to do stuff that he told you not to do, that you were going to mess up. Yet he loves you. That is the kind of love that we are to show to others. I want you to think in your mind of the one person that you'd say I never could love. That person's it. That's the one I'm talking about. It's easy to love somebody you know. Love somebody you love. What good is that? But loving somebody like an enemy. Loving somebody that's hurt you. Can I tell you? It takes the Lord. I can't do that without the Lord. I got a mean streak in me. Anybody Anybody else? I got a streak in me that wants to run the other direction. Tell you, adios, I don't need you. I'll go do something else. But I'm called to love that person. Like the Lord loves me. Not just love them. I I I can put on a show and act like I love them. That's not what he's talking about. Just as you and I have experienced the incredible love of Jesus in our life. We are to turn around and love one another just like that. Number two, our love for others indicates our love for God. You know, I believe that you don't even have to go in the workplace and stand up on the top of a soapbox and say, I'm a Christian. Everybody might as well know I'm a Christian. The word of God tells us that if you will love others as God has loved you, it'll show. They'll know it. They'll already know that you're different. Your love for one another will indicate your love for God. To lost souls, but also to God. Do you want the Lord to know you love him? Then we show him. Can I tell you something that Pastor Stephen and I have been kind of battling, not battling, been um, going around our minds. You know, sometimes you just want to wrap your mind around something. We haven't even presented this to the church yet, but we as a staff and the deacons, I've talked to the deacons about it, have come up with a a vision statement for Church on the Hill. You know, we're kind of changing our look a little bit. We're trying to, we're trying to position ourselves. If you've noticed, we're doing a lot of outreach now. We're doing some outward things. Amen. Well, we've decided we need a vision statement. The pastor previous to us had one. The pastor before him had one. I need one. So we sat down as a staff and we started writing things down on what we believed. And what we come up with, this is very simple, in the simplest form, is pursue God, love others, and reach the community. Pursue God, love others, and reach our community. And we are, you know, that sounds good, right? Everybody likes that? But let me ask you this. If I asked you, are you saved What would you say? Most of you would say yes. Tell me why. Tell me how. What would your response be? It would be, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he died and he uh, uh, was in the grave for three days and he arose. I believe that he is my Lord and Savior. I have invited him to come into my heart and I have confessed him that he is my Lord and I choose to serve him. Right? Right? But is that statement your salvation? You saying that is not your salvation. Just like if I said, is tongues the baptism in the Holy Spirit? No. Tongues is a reflection of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not the baptism. Can you follow it? We can have a vision statement and never change. We can put it up everywhere, man. This is who we are, but it isn't. Do you follow what I'm saying? We can all agree. You know, we're going to pursue God. We're going to love others and we're going to reach our community. But if we don't start gearing every program that we have, everything that we do as a worship team, everything we do as outreach through that vision, we've not changed anything. We've just made a cool statement. But the Lord says, I command you to love one another. Well, okay, we hear that. We can put that up everywhere, put it on our rooftops, put it on our cars. But when if we don't, we're not, we're not doing that. Do, do you follow what I'm saying? It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. Our love for others indicates our love for God. Not our expression, not us saying we love others indicates our love for God. Nope, let me tell you, the world will see through what you say. But he's saying your actions will show others where you stand. Amen? It took me a long way to get around that mountain, but I I hope you got that. Your salvation is not based on what comes out of your mouth. It's what comes out of your heart. It's It's what you do. If I'm saved, I will change. I will live differently. I will live as though Jesus Christ truly is my Lord and Savior. Or I can come up and say a prayer and keep living the way I was living. That's not, that's that's just going through the motions. All right. So, one day, Jesus was walking around town. And he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And let me just tell you a little bit about this word neighbor. This word in the Greek and in the Latin means nigh means to draw nigh or draw close or draw near to someone. The Lord says that we are to love each other, to love God with all our heart, our mind and soul and our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. But we're to draw close to those around us, not only those that have received Jesus Christ, but those outside of those walls. All your neighbors are not saved. But we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Loving one another is a core value here at Church on the Hill. You know the story in John 13. If you look at John 13, 14, 15, and 16, they are some of the most intimate chapters of all the Gospels. But in the last evening that our Lord spends with the disciples before the Garden of Gethsemane, before the cross, and he's spending time with those disciples, and you know what happens? They came into the upper room. And it was customary for there to be a servant there in the upper room when they're about to eat or they're about to meet. And the servant, there would be a basin and there would be a towel. And that servant would wash the feet of those coming in to feast. But what happened at this time when Jesus and the disciples showed up in the upper room? There was no servant. And I think what happened is all of a sudden the disciples noticed and started asking one, started thinking in their mind, I wonder who's going to wash the feet. Now, but Peter, James, and John were like, not us, man. We're in the inner circle. We're not in the outer circle. We're in the inner circle. It's sure not going to be us. And, you know, we started to have a little bit of pecking order. I think that's what happens here. I don't mean at church on the hill. I just mean in life in general. Who's going to do it? Amen? And what happened? Jesus took off his robe. And he went and got the water. And he started washing the feet of the disciples himself. And you know, you know what happened? That it bothered Peter so much that he said, he said to Jesus, you're not washing my feet. What was Peter really saying? He was saying, Jesus, if I was the leader of this group, I wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Good old Peter. On fire, going and having the Holy Ghost fall on people at one time. Next time, he's not all there. That's me in the negative sense. I I don't want to say I compare to Peter in the positive sense, but in the negative sense, I got some of that. Sometimes my mouth spouts off before I can stop it. And he's talking to Jesus. He was talking to Jesus, the one that said, do you know who I am? Yes, you're the son of the living God. And now he's saying, you can't wash my feet. And you know what Jesus said? If I can't wash your feet, you can't have anything to do with me. But what did Peter say after he said, you're not washing my feet? And Jesus said, yeah, I am. He said, well, why don't you go ahead and just wash all of me? Peter. Peter can't get a clue that the first statement was wrong. Let's just go ahead and make another one. Have you ever done that? You ever made one? And then it followed by another one. You know, the tongue's the hardest thing to tame. Well, that that hit home. Amen. Amen. But Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, you can't have anything to do with me. Oh, Peter, he goes from one extreme to the next. And that evening, Jesus exhibited to the disciples, incredible servant, love, servant, love and care. And he demonstrated three things. Let me show you three things right here. What did Jesus show in this attitude that he showed here? That he had nothing to prove. I want want you to see that this is a servant's love, that he had nothing to lose. And that he had nothing to hide. We think when we go out here and try to love one another as they should be loved, number one, that we're weak, that we're loving somebody that's hurt us, that we're loving somebody that shouldn't be loved. We think that we've got something to prove and be firm and be full of pride. And I'm not going to give in. I want you to look at how the Lord loved the Lord knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he was going and he knew his mission in life. And in this incredible security that he had, he was able to care and minister to other people. In fact, in the last 24 hours, He knew because he knew who he was and he knew what his identity was. He was able to do some incredible things. Like what? Think about it. He was able to endure the betrayal of a friend. Think of how that hurts. Somebody close to you that's betrayed you. He was able to comfort his disciples when he was the one that should have been comforted. I mean, he was sweating blood. Have you ever been so stressed out that you sweated blood? I don't know that he was stressed out. He was just anguished. He had a burden on him that no man has ever experienced. He was able to handle the denial of the closest one, the one to whom he was going to leave the church, to Peter. He even prophesied, Peter, you're going to deny me, but I'm still going to love you. Do you see that you see the the view of God? I already know what you're going to do, but I'm going to love you. And I'm going to go do this for you. Knowing what's going to happen. He was willing to turn everything over to God's hand and say, father, not my will, but yours. But we see a human side of Jesus when he says, if you could just let this cup pass. Let it pass. He knows what's about to happen. But then he says, but your will be done, not mine. He was willing to die. All these things happen because of unbelievable, incredible love that he had for people. Now, if you ever watch the Special Olympics, I'm sure that you've seen this. But in the races, it it never seems to fail to happen in a, let's say, 100-yard dash or, 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 or some type of sprint. Everybody lines up and the gun goes off and here they go. Given all they've got, physically, mentally, challenged individuals, and here they go, given everything they got, yelling and screaming, people are cheering for them, and someone falls. And what happens? Every one of them stops, and goes and picks that one up, and they go and carry him over the finish line, and they cheer as though they were the one that won, and you know what? They were. They were. We have something to learn from that picture. Something that's happening with us at Church on the Hill is I believe that the Lord through Elizabeth and through the staff and through our church, through Sharon and Barb, uh, Sharon Elliott and Barb Olinghouse and those that have helped with outreach, the Lord has helped us to hone in, I believe, a vision for outreach. And that vision is that we're going to start to try to impact one small area in our community, and that's all good housing authority. 25, 26 units. It's the size that we can impact. And I believe that we can meet the needs that they would have. And it's our community. They may not come to church here. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to bring all good housing authority to church on the hill. Our goal is to impact them and to love them. And to be the type that is willing to be around and find that one laying on the ground and picking them up and saying, we're not going without you. Can you see where our heart is trying to be turned? And I I want you to know you're going to have that moment to say, man, we've got a great vision or I'm a part of the vision. God's great. got a great word. God's great. God, a great word. Or I'm a part of what God's doing. We can say it or we can do it. And I want to encourage you, get on board with us. We will go together and we're going to find those that have fallen down in this race, that have been hurt in church, that have never been to church, that have swore they will never go to church. Let me tell you, those that spit on you when you try to lead them to the Lord were created to receive the Lord. And the Lord loves them as much as he loves you. He created them. And I encourage you get excited, sign up for stuff. Let's get outside these doors and let's get this bus. The bus is about to go out and start bringing kids in. Let me tell you, it's going to disrupt things to say the least. Hallelujah. It's not about us. Our problem is that we think it's all about us. From my perspective, many times I think it's all about me. What a messed up view. Look at Jesus and all the disciples come into the upper room and he's about to be crucified. And what did he do? He said it's all about you. It's not about me. Let me wash your feet. I'm not saying literally, but we're not but we're not going to I don't even hardly want to say this, but we need to go wash some feet. And I don't, I don't mean that literally, but I don't mean that that can't happen. I don't want to tie myself to not do it, but I just mean we need to be willing to go get dirty and to love somebody that no one else will love. They're in our community. They're our calling. We all get on. We all get on board. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. For the way that you've moved today. Lord you have not moved in this place. For it to be contained into this place. You have moved here. So that we would move. You have moved here. So that we would acknowledge. That you are God. And allow that to permeate so much in us. That it can't keep. From overflowing out of us. And Lord I want to start again. With me and my staff. And my family. Move in us Lord. I desire to be a doer of the word of God. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those that's been hurt. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I don't feel loved by anybody. Well, I want you to know, regardless of how you have come in here, whatever kind of baggage you have brought, God loves you. You may not have ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you may have. Regardless, God loves you. He sent his son to die for you so that you would not have to live like you're living. So that you would have a hope and a future. You may have said, Pastor, we sang that song, My Hope is in You. But I don't know that hope. I want you to know today you can pray with me today. And you can have a hope that you have never had. There is no hope in this world except the hope of Jesus Christ.